wow <laughs> here we are welcome to statement piece <laughs> the pod cast <laughs> for all things fashion beauty and pop culture with a social justice and business lens Exactly. So me and Catherine usually have these conversations ourselves, but we thought what a great opportunity to share and sort of start these discussions outside of our own FaceTimes and calls. (laughs) Yes. I guess we can start by talking about what's going on in the world right now. It's a pretty crazy time to be living through. Right. So not only is there a global pandemic, but recently George Floyd was murdered by the police. So that started this kind of second wave of Black Lives Matter and ACAB, All Cops Are Bastards, and this movement against police brutality and recognizing Black lives, empowering Black people, and just trying to quell systemic racism and make people more aware about what they can do to be a part of that yeah definitely so today's topics will include an overview of black executives in fashion and beauty and we will also be discussing how to enhance black representation within fashion and beauty and how we've observed different institutions taking steps to do so and before we begin we just wanted to preface our discussion by saying that um For those who are not aware, neither Sita and I are Black, but we do want to take part in allyship, obviously. And I think a big part of this recent discussion on Black Lives Matter is pushing allies to really educate themselves and take part in these kind of conversations. I think a big flaw in the system of allyship as it stands is that people tend to shy away from these topics because they don't feel as though they're entitled enough to have a seat at the table when they themselves are not Black. But I think that allies should really recognize that if they can educate themselves and be really informed, then their privilege does give them a seat at that table. And their education would give them a seat that people would listen to and respect for taking part and action in ending systemic racism. So I think for myself, I recognize that I have not been the perfect ally in the past, um, but I am trying to continue to take part in these conversations and educate myself, know more about what I can do and observe what others are doing as well to really enact tangible change. I agree. And I'm on the same wavelength. Again, like in no way, shape or form are we saying we're the perfect allies or have been in the past. But as Catherine said, like all we can do is grow and learn from others' experiences um, and push for and support future change. Also, we do understand that there are obviously many sides to every story the topics that we're going to bring up today are just what we found in our research and some of our own opinions. But again, we're not saying we're the absolute right people or have the right answers. Right. All right. Let us delve into our very first topic on the agenda, which is looking at a Forbes article 
that is called It's Time for the Fashion Industry to Stand Up for Racism, written by Lella London, a contributor for fashion and beauty. And this was published on June 1st. So this Forbes article basically addresses how Virgil Abloh, who is the creative director of Louis Vuitton men's and also the CEO of Off-White and Olivier Roosting. They are the only Black creative directors at major brands. Oh, to clarify, Olivier is the creative director of Balma. Right. So as Sita mentioned, this Forbes article discusses how there's limited Black representation among creative positions at major brands. But another important thing that we wanted to discuss was the recent backlash that Virgil Abloh has received. First of all, it began because Louis Vuitton released a new handbag campaign in the midst of all of this. And this was towards the end of May, beginning of June, right around George Floyd's death. And it was just criticized for being tone deaf in general, which I think was a justified and correct criticism, in my opinion, because I think anything kind of non-BLM related on social media at that time was just insensitive and flaunting of privilege and unawareness of what's going on in the world. And then three days later, Virgil Abloh spoke out about racism and the Black Lives Matter movement making his own statement. And additionally, he shared on his Instagram story that he made a $50 donation to Fem Power, an organization helping arrested protesters in relation to BLM. But obviously, people know <laughs> that Abloh is someone of affluence and so it, he was criticized for only making $50 and publicizing that. And he later on made a statement um, responding to this. And it was quite extensive, just kind of detailing he is making other donations and how he has made an impact in the fashion industry and things of that nature. Yeah, because I think if you think about his history, right, I think we've discussed this before when he had his first fashion show and it was this major, major event where I, I think it was Kanye who was there and they were both crying right at the end of the show in Paris because mm -hmm. it was the first time that you had these two black men who were very well known for being creative directors in the fashion industry and that was simply unheard of prior to this. But it is weird that the only thing that was publicized was that he donated $50 and that it had to be a reactive response. I think there's just a small amount was so stark for yeah. people to realize, right? I, I think someone had brought up a tweet where it was talking about how $50 is less than an off-white keychain. Right, right. And then the oh. Forbes article also mentioned how Glossier announced it would be offering $500,000 to organizations fighting racial injustice and other BAME-owned beauty companies, which is obviously quite a stark difference. And I, I do kind of perceive Louis Vuitton and Off-White to have a greater industry presence than Glossier. Mm -hmm. So continuing talking about racism in the fashion industry, there was this New York Times article called Beyond the Instagram Black Square, Fashion Can Do More Than Simply Express Solidarity by Vanessa Friedman. And this was published on June 6th. So shortly after the Forbes article, but this article was interesting in that it was also highlighting again black figures in the fashion industry so it brought up virgil it brought up rihanna in relation to fenty and then it brought up g day zeitlin who is ceo of tapestry which is the group that owns coach kate spade stuart weitzman and i think it's one of the only fashion 
company groups or large fashion companies that have a black executive which I thought was extremely surprising. Um, and this article is really interesting in that it addresses how until things on the executive level change, it's hard to expect downstream effects and see that later on lower levels within this like staffing hierarchy. And I think that's completely a valid point because those are the people who are ultimately making the larger and bigger decisions, especially for large companies to have a social stance Right. I think so as well. And uh, when we were looking into G.A. Zeitlin and Tapestry as a whole, we found that he is one of four Black CEOs amongst all of the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, which is obviously very, very limited representation. And I think especially in fashion, it's kind of shocking to uncover these statistics because so much of the fashion and beauty industry is rooted in not only black labor, but also just black trends. Streetwear as a concept is really rooted in black fashion and black people. And it was just later appropriated. But also within this article, I think one person who was pretty interesting once we researched a little bit more is this man named Edward Enenful. And for those of you who don't know, he is the current editor-in-chief of British Vogue. Right. Yes. So he has a very interesting story as we were finding. He was born in Ghana, but then when he was in London, within this two-week time period, he was spotted on a train by British fashion magazine ID stylist Simon Foxton at the age of 16. And then two weeks later, he was approached by a model scout. And then he was saying how he thought it was so coincidental since he had recently been approached by this stylist. And the model scout said that she actually knew the stylist and was later working with it, the stylist and the founder photographer of ID, Nick Knight. So that model scout is the one that connected him to this photo shoot and campaign and the ID brand in general. So then they pulled him onto this shoot. And so this was at still while he was 16 within this two week time period. And then at 18, he was appointed the fashion director of ID, which is actually insane because I feel like ID is such a bold and prominent fashion brand in the publication industry. Yeah, that's crazy. That is really crazy. And then he's kind of become respected in the field, right? Like he's known as a very important figure in of diversity within fashion. And so he was appointed at British Vogue in 2017. And an article that was brought up by, or an article found from ID supporting Edward's promotion to editor-in-chief talked about Edward Enningfall's kind of history and things that he's done within the fashion industry said that he's always been a champion of diversity and his appointment at British Vogue was really welcome because a lot of people criticize the magazine for its lack of diversity. So within his career, he's really been known for pushing for a range of British and international models, including names such as Naomi Campbell and Jordan Dunn, which were actually the only Black models to appear by themselves um, on the cover of British Vogue. And this was within the couple years of 2017, which I thought was pretty crazy and pretty um, interesting. And even more recently, I know he did initiatives that had to do with immigration shortly after Trump was elected. So this is someone who not only has 
a black voice but also has an international presence which i thought was really interesting and that this is someone who is halfway across the world and still pushing for issues within the united states although i am not saying that they are completely limited to the united states obviously i think the recent protests and everything have surfaced the idea and push for this idea that it's not only an American problem, but it really is a global problem. Right. I think this whole narrative really verifies the statement within that New York Times article talking about how the executive suite diversity is really one that should be prioritized because I think that trickle down impact is something that is deeply undervalued. Like it's one thing for a company to have diversity and inclusion initiatives, but it's another to really have an executive at the top. Like just the fact that he propelled Naomi Campbell, I'm sure really substantiated her career because it put her on the cover of Vogue. And obviously she is a large black fashion icon and really made it very early on into the industry. And she really stood as kind of a barrier breaking figure and paved the way for many others. She walked so they could run. <laughs> she strutted. <laughs> yes. She strutted and cleaned planes that went viral so that others could run and know how to survive in the corona economy. (sighs) So then another point that was mentioned in the New York Times article that we thought was really interesting is towards the end, they made the statement that instead of posting about solidarity, celebrities could really affect change by wearing clothes by Black designers. The earned media value in response to the question, who are you wearing? So that was an excerpt from the article specifically, but we really resonated with that statement because I think it really does speak to the impact that celebrities can have even in those subtle actions. Um, Like even just by watching Liza Koshy's Met Gala coverage or things like that, it's it could mean a lot for someone to say, oh, I'm wearing this black designer if they're not that well known, if they're outside of Balmain or men's Louis Vuitton, then I think it could really add a lot of value to that brand. Mm -hmm. Especially because I feel like there are so many barriers to exposure as well in any industry, right? If you really don't have the connections, it's hard to make it. Yeah. And oftentimes those connections are really antiquated or maybe due to nepotism or whatever it may be, right? So I think exactly echoing your point, Catherine, I feel like until people really push for those new designers and push for those new voices, you're not really going to see them. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that kind of support from people with a larger platform could be especially meaningful. And another example of that that was also mentioned in the New York Times article was a show put on by Kirby John Raymond in 2015. And so Kirby is a designer for Pyre Moss, the brand. And so the article writes... Uh, that it began with a 12-minute video about racism in America, invited the families of victims of police brutality to sit in his front row and put editors behind them. And then it sent white work boots uh, scrawled with names in black marker and blood down his runway. And there were tailored jackets and tunics that were ripped, so it was very visual. Um, And then finally, the artist Gregory Siff live-tagged the clothes as they appeared with words like breathe. And 
The article notes that it almost sunk his brand. He got death threats. Editors were upset about their demotion to the back row. Um, So it just kind of goes to show when someone is lacking large platform support, they it can really sink their career if they make these kind of statements that are quote unquote politicized, even though I think at this point, Black Lives Matter is really more of a human rights topic. Yeah, and I think that brings up a good point in that, yes, you can push for awareness and education, but until people are really willing to change and willing to watch that change happen and watch it play out and change the status quo, we're really not going to see anything. Right. Because this was five years ago and still the same thing is happening. Right, right. Like with five years, there's really not been that much progress, which is crazy to me. And I think even since, like, I don't think... I really know of another line that has done something so focused on, at least within the fashion industry, so focused on police brutality, where that was the main um, theme. In the show, yeah. I think even the demotion, or I I guess they, they viewed it as a demotion, but that kind of movement of the editors to the row behind victim families of victims of police brutality is a powerful statement and that shift in the status quo that you're talking about that I think is definitely necessary. People need to accept that they need to further elevate Black voices in the industry if there's going to be change, even if that means giving up their own seat. And it's kind of a similar thing that I've seen Like, for instance, that Alexis Ohanian did on his seat on the board of Reddit, he gave it up saying, I want this place to be for someone who is Black. And so he's kind of creating that space and elevating the voice, utilizing his privilege to do so and things like that. So I think in the case of that Pyre Moss 2015 show, he was doing a similar thing. Yeah, and I agree. I feel like it almost will have to take people who are not really coming from that stance of being the minority in a sense to push for that because already these voices are being heard they're being projected on social media or on the news but still not much is changing I guess a concern that could be brought up is this idea of tokenizing or tokenization in general and I know this is something that's really brought up while involving women in the workplace making sure that there's specifically a seat for a woman or I know some people's concerns are that oh those people only got jobs because they're specified for those people and I can see how that's a concern but I feel like exactly what what you're saying it's really gonna have to take people from the inside who or who already have a seat at the table to push for it until that becomes normal and that becomes an accepted change because I feel like at this point I don't really trust society enough to kind of take that responsibility on themselves so I think I that definitely does illustrate the point that was brought up earlier in that we really should be taking part in divesting from unethical businesses ones that have been criticized for doing a variety of things i.e taking part in prison labor has been a criticism that's been highlighted as of late. Um, And instead, we should take the time to really invest in Black-owned businesses and um, Black voices, Black entertainment, and things of that nature. And 
not appropriate it, be aware of the consequences of appropriation, but to just recognize that it is a Black-owned brand and to really uphold it. Um, So with that being said, we also wanted to take this time to quickly plug a few Black-owned businesses that our listeners can invest in. So I'll just name a few, but obviously if you Google Black-owned fashion labels, you can find a variety of substitutes that even produce similar quality and aesthetic pieces to some of your favorite brands. So Pyre Moss, um, who we mentioned, Johnny Nelson Jewelry, A. Savage, Brother Velis, who we will touch upon later in the podcast, Telfar, Renowned LA, All Cap Studio, and um, to kind of specify further the idea of substitution, one that I've been looking at myself is called Girl Trouble, G-R-L-T-R-B-L, Girl Trouble. And a lot of people have been kind of publicizing this brand in the sense that it would be a good substitute for Doll's Kill, which has recently come under fire. So that's just an example of the ways in which people can divest from unethical businesses and really invest in more ethical ones. So for people looking into GRL, TRBL, Girl Trouble, it's currently closed due to COVID-19, but um, you can definitely look at their Instagram and take part and invest in their narrative and future. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like something just to go back to Doll's Kill for a second and everything that's happening on social media in the world right now, there's a huge focus on this cancel culture as Catherine would like to call it (laughs) (laughs) but on the flip side we can do the opposite of that right and support companies and as a consumer I think we can take that responsibility on ourselves because it's it's simple supply and demand (laughs) yeah right so if consumers are demanding these types of companies or companies that are really pushing for diversity and different voices, then we will definitely see more of that in right. the market. If you didn't already know, both Sita and I are Wellesley College graduates who indeed had economics education. Uh, anyway, so speaking about <laughs> other... <laughs> other more important topics... So to speak about other organizations that are kind of pushing for opening more seats at the table, the CFDA um, made an interesting pledge on so on June 4th, they made I think it was an Instagram post, I want to say, about describing a board meeting that they had on June 2nd, speaking to increasing representation um, within the contest that they have. So for those of you that don't know, the CFDA hosts um, a competition for designers and then helps bring the designers line to market and I believe bring into department stores. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about that one. And it's great visibility for uh, designers because a lot of the judges are famous designers or own fashion groups. And obviously having your foot in the door backed by all these powerful heads in fashion is a huge deal. I believe in the past there haven't been that many Black winners, I want to say around 10 or so. Yeah, but the CFTA is definitely a powerful tool. I mean, the chairman is Tom, is Tom Ford. But I think other organizations and other even education maybe, especially within the fashion industry can follow the CFDA's 
suit and push for initiatives like this to really support to really support people that aren't generally seen within the fashion industry especially due to like historical trends with it mostly being a very white skewed industry right yeah i think the cfda making a statement and a plan of action in particular is something bold and kind of served as an early example of what other fashion companies could be doing sim in a similar fashion um so just to specify exactly what they were doing on the cfda instagram announcement they said they would make an in-house employment program specifically charged with placing black talent in all sectors of the fashion business um, it will also create a mentorship and internship program focused on placing black students and recent graduates within companies in the fashion sector. It will implement and make available a diversity and inclusion training program, which is obviously the bare minimum. And there's also evidence that it can be ineffective when it comes to implicit bias. Um, and then they'll also make contributions and take up fundraising activities for organizations like the NAACP and Campaign Zero. And then urging every member of the CFDA to take stock of their corporate structure and take action in a similar way. So I think just the recognition of the fact that they are taking action was particularly poignant because there were a lot of companies that made statements but then didn't actually announce any plans of action on tangible change and how they can end systemic racism. I also really appreciate how the CFDA had such a rapid response to everything that's happening. Mm -hmm. Like they had a board meeting shortly after George Floyd's death and obviously when all the protests were starting and then two days later had a state public statement. Right. And even looking at the CFDA Instagram, almost every post recently has been elevating the Black Lives Matter movement and elevating Black voices, Black talent, and people who are taking part in things like Gucci, Changemakers, XCFDA, the collaboration, who are a part of Class of 2020. So I know that companies aren't technically making initiatives, but there are quite a few that are still making donations. And we, me and Catherine had discussed... Um, these different challenges, especially that have been more transparent on social media. So there's been this 15% challenge. It was a 15% pledge created by Aurora James, who is the founder and creative director of the previously mentioned Brooklyn-based accessories brand, Brother Bellies, on Instagram. And so it's specifically called on huge companies like Target, Whole Foods, Shopop, which is actually where some of the brand is sold, and Sephora to make this 15% uh, commitment. And I believe Sephora is the first major retailer that will dedicate 15% of their shelf space to Black-owned brands. Currently, Sephora offers nine Black-owned brands of the 290 in total that it sells. So that's definitely a move in the right direction. I guess what my concern is personally is that this is just a trend item for companies to follow just so that they still have a following or customers don't completely cancel them or shun them specifically once things either change or calm down a little bit. I don't know. Like I, I, I'm, I'm concerned that comp 
companies are only doing this for the social media presence. Right. I mean, I think it's the same thing with tokenization where, yes, it's dangerous to only take part in performative justice and tokenization. But I think even if they are engaging it from that level, it's still good that they are taking action just because they have such a big platform and it could exemplify change for others who may actually be sincere. Yeah, that's true, I guess. I know, so there's another challenge called the Pull-Up Challenge. It was started early June by the Uoma Beauty founder, Sharon um, Shooter. Started the hashtag Pull-Up or Shut Up initiative, which I, or challenge, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, Basically, it calls for, I guess, bringing more transparency into the composition of different workforces within large companies, specifically within the fashion and beauty industries. And I think there was another Instagram account that was started to um, kind of collect all of this information and post it. And when me and Catherine went through, it's actually really interesting to see how many companies have a large percentage of Black employees in different departments and how many don't. Um, Some of them are just so drastic. Right. Yeah. So this Instagram account, it's at pull up for change. And it has since been verified, which is crazy that it's gotten so much traction and good, obviously. Um, So it's run by... Uh, Sharon Shooter and her brand is at UOMA on Instagram. Um, But when you go through the page, it's just really interesting to see the different statistics and large brands that have been taking part and also the responses that they've been taking. I think a lot of brands take it really seriously. And not only are they publicizing these statistics, but they're also publicizing what they can do to be a part of a movement to do better. And so when it comes to companies like Kylie Cosmetics, she released um, her statistics and her employees are only 13% Black, but then she didn't respond about how she can specifically take action to do better. Whereas other companies really try to highlight the kind of initiatives that they'll do to enact better representation. I feel like this initiative is really interesting in that it matches a lot of our generation's interests, like this push for transparency, this push for knowing where your products are coming from or who's making them. Like, I really like this idea of knowing, knowing how these companies are composed and then supporting the ones that really are, um, or supporting the companies that match the same values as mine, I guess. Right. Um, and I think that's something that's like interesting to look forward to, right? Of course, the fashion industry in particular has a lot of progress, just like the rest of society and the rest of the world in general. But again, as a consumer and knowing, I feel like the only thing that you can do is educate yourself more and having that information available to you or demanding that information really helps you make more informed choices and pushing for larger changes. It seems like such a small way to support, but every I feel like every little action matters. Yeah, it kind of reminds me, although Sweet Green is out of the scope of fashion, beauty, and pop culture, um, 
Sweetgreen, I think, <laughs> was one of the first businesses to really champion transparency because when they came out, um, they, they were founded in the early 2000s and they put on their wall where all of their products were coming from. And I listened to a How I mm-hmm. Built This podcast where the founders described how they were initially criticized because people thought, oh, people, can your consumers won't care about this kind of data. But then it became a part of their brand that they were really transparent about where their products were coming from, how they were being ethically sourced, what the supply chain is. And now I think in the kind of second wave of BLM. And there is also a similar push, as you mentioned, for transparency. And also, not only on their dealings with Black related issues, but also minority issues in general, because of just the concept of intersectionality. So now all of a sudden, all of these other issues are being brought to the table. And I think it's kind of paralleling the Me Too movement in the way that the Me Too movement brought out this wave of litigation and accountability. And now Mm -hmm. it's a similar thing where people are being called out, people are taking action and holding other people who are in positions of authority accountable, specifically corporations, because they definitely have authority and a say in our capitalist society. The United States really is such a capitalist run country. It's insane. Like, nowhere else do companies have this much power. Yeah. I saw this tweet that said, um, I joined Twitter to follow One Direction fan accounts, and now I'm a communist. (laughs) Because I feel like even now there's this push against capitalism because people recognize that they're such a big player in systemic racism in the United States. And I think that's why a lot of looting where it's targeted at luxury brands. Well, yeah, and I feel like people are really frustrated because they didn't realize that they were just a cog in the system. Right. So all in all, Otis. (laughs) (laughs) So in, in conclusion, I feel like it's really interesting to see and do more research on the lack of Black representation within the fashion industry and specifically within the executive suite, that was really surprising to me, especially knowing how much power those people have um, over really large decisions and also just what type of media or what type of products we're exposed to. Or it makes me want to push to be more educated about what I'm buying as a consumer and the companies that I'm supporting and also bringing awareness to those, uh, to my family and friends. And we just have to keep on spreading the message and keep on pushing for these conversations because eventually if we all do that I really do feel like there will be some change I think it's inspiring to see the power of social media and these challenges um, to call companies out but obviously we don't want that to just be a trend we want that to be permanent change right right and also I think We have to be wary about not being performative or engaging in tokenization or any of the other kind of negative aspects that could potentially come with activism and insincerity in general. So I think as people move forward and as new cycles start to shift, people should just keep in mind that at the end of the day, this call for the end to systemic racism is really just a call for people to have greater empathy and sincerity with their actions. And I think that's really the core of the Black Lives Matter movement is just asking people to really have empathy for human dignity and just elevate the voices that are unheard, utilize privilege when you have it, and understand and educate yourself about 
your own actions and others' actions so that you can support and uplift those that are ethical and respecting human dignity and divest from the ones that aren't. Okay. Well, thank you for listening. Yeah, well, make sure to like and comment if you have any feedback. And publicize. We would love to keep the discussion going. Obviously, this is not everything within fashion and beauty. We just thought we would touch on some topics, but it's a start. Yes. Okay. That's all for now, folks.